This morning, I want to speak about breaking down the walls, breaking down the barriers. It's not what separates us, it's what brings us together through Jesus Christ that makes the difference. And we're going to look at that this morning in Ephesians 2, 11 through 15. So I'm going to ask you to find that text, Ephesians 2, 11 through 15, and to stand in God's honor when you do, as I read aloud. Therefore, <coughs> excuse me. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, that done in the body by the hands of men, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in His flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in Himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be together today, for taking those barriers, Lord, and removing them, for taking the walls and tearing them down, and through Jesus Christ bringing us together. Lord, help us to find our way within the Son. Father, guide us in this uh, time, Lord, that remains. May we worship You, and may the focal point be Jesus. In Your name we pray. Amen. A newsletter entitled Our America several years ago recorded the exploits of a retired school teacher who for years had taught her class about wonderful places all across the United States. And so once she retired, she thought, I want to visit these places. So she got her an old pickup truck and camper and took off by herself traveling across the country. She got just outside of Sacramento on I-5 when her water pump went out right in the middle of interstate traffic. And so, you know, you can imagine cars honk and everything else. And so she stopped and she prayed. She said, Dear God, I'm really upset. I don't know what to do. I need you to send me an angel. Preferably, send me an angel with mechanic experience. About four minutes later, on a Harley pulled around this enormous guy who was hairy and covered with tattoos. He uh, jumped off the motorcycle, and she was especially frightened when she saw on the back of his coat, Hell's Angels. And he, he approached her, he took a look at her, and then he uh, managed to stop a truck driver, got in the truck, took a chain, pulled that truck and camper off the road, worked furiously changing out a water pump, managed to get that done, and all she could do was just stand there in shock for all the work that uh, he had done. Finally, she got the courage to briefly say something to him. And he noticed she was very uncomfortable, and he said, Lady, just remember, don't judge. Just be careful, and don't judge a book merely by its cover. Then he jumped back on the motorcycle and took off just about as quickly as he arrived. Sometimes God sends His angels in unexpected ways. 
His people come in all shapes, sizes, kinds. But what brings us together is Christ. Not the different way we appear. As we look at this section of Scripture, the Jews and the Gentiles, well, they did not get along. They did not like each other. The Gentiles are often spoken of as mongrels, as the type of dogs who go through your trash and cause big messes. And that's how they were depicted. Uh, matter of fact, uh, you know, going into the house of a Gentile and spending time in the home of a Gentile was about like going to uh, look at a corpse at a funeral. It was, uh, it was something you weren't supposed to do. As a matter of fact, <clears throat> if a Jew married a Gentile, the family, instead of going to the wedding, would hold a funeral... Because that was a despicable thing to do. You were not to associate with the Gentiles. You were certainly not to marry into the Gentiles. You were certainly not to become a part of that people. And yet the Scripture tells us that when Jesus died on the cross, that the veil was torn in two from top to bottom. Now that signifies two wonderful truths. First of all, it signifies the fact that the barrier between God and man was torn apart so that we could freely enter into the presence of God through Jesus Christ. That barrier was taken away. But there's another barrier too. And that was the barrier between people. You see, at that moment, it wasn't just the Jew. It wasn't just the chosen people who could come directly into God's presence. It was anybody. It was you. It was me. Regardless of how different we appear, Jesus loves us. And he was making that statement with that veil being torn in two. Not only to be able to approach God freely, but guys, that we can approach one another through Jesus Christ when He gets a hold of our hearts. I want you to notice in this text what we were before Jesus Christ. It tells us here, uh, first it spoke to them of those who call themselves the circumcision. It said that they were formerly the uncircumcised. Remember David when he was getting ready to take out Goliath? He spoke of him as an uncircumcised dog. As that Gentile, as he looked at him and remembered Jonah, he didn't want to go deal with the Ninevites. He hated them. Why? Because they were Gentiles and they were an evil people and they weren't part of the in crowd, God's chosen people. There was this barrier. God wasn't going to speak to them. God wouldn't reach out to them. There was an obvious prejudice that was building in. But let's look at verse 12 here. As we look at these differences, there's four words here I want to look at that describes it. He says, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ. You're separate from Christ. They had no concept of a Messiah, of a promised one. A promised one who was going to come and to free them from bondage. Of course, they thought of it as the bondage of a ruler that was controlling their nation. God thought of it as a bondage far beyond that. Bondage to sin. A bondage to being able to set free, to obey God, to follow Him. A bondage of being trapped in a way of life that's self-destructive. God wanted to free from all of that. But they didn't know that. They didn't understand that because their hope was not for the coming one, the Messiah, the promised one, the anointed one. That wasn't the hope. That, that, that was foreign to them. Not only were they Christless, guys, they were godless. Notice in the text here, 
it tells us that they were without God in the world. They were a people who worshipped gods with a little g. A whole bunch of different idols, not the true God with a capital G. The only God that matters, the only one who really is God. They didn't know Him. They knew a bunch of these little gods that were worthless and powerless. And not the true God that reached out. You see, we try to reach out and and seek all these little gods. But praise be to Him that the big God, the true God, the one God, He reached down to us. That's what the gospel's all about, guys. It's that, that simple as He works. But they were godless. They didn't have that concept. Not only that, they were friendless. As you look in this, it says they were excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise. Remember, it says that Abraham was called God's friend. And that he, he received the inheritance. He, he received promises that God gave to him, an inheritance of, of, of many peoples and, and, and how God would come through. And we know how that was given in Jesus Christ. But outside of the covenant, the promises are yes in Jesus, but apart from Jesus, they're no. Apart from Jesus, it's foreign. The ways of God, the things of God, the promises of God, the Word of God, the truths of God, we might as well be aliens. Because it's strange stuff without God's Spirit making it real and showing that it is meant for us. It is God's love shown to us. And we can't understand that apart from Him. We're friendless. But it also says that we're hopeless. Notice there it says that we're without hope. No future. No hope. The Jews were promised that. That they would receive a hope. But it's a promise meant for all in Jesus Christ. It's a promise where Jesus, He was the fulfillment of it. He didn't do away with the promise of the Jews. He just fulfilled it. He made it complete. That is to all people who will reach out to the grace of God that's offered in Jesus Christ. There's hope. There's a hope that comes there. And for those of us who are in the family of God, may we never forget what He's done for us. You know, it's easy just... To take it for granted. It's, it's too easy for us to say, well, I'm, I'm saved, I'm sanctified, and I'm soured. Well, you may not say I'm soured, but you may look like you're soured. And may that not be the case, guys. Because God has given each of us a wonderful life in Jesus. Not only does salvation await us, there's a salvation we can experience here by walking in the light of Jesus Christ where He can just provide us such joy and peace. <laughs> Where he, he can work in our lives. I love it. You know, it says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Because it's not the law, it's the Spirit of God working in us and through us. That's, that's how He works. And, and, and when Jesus gets a hold of us, that's, that's how, he's, how He's working. We need to remember that. May we not forget that. May He stir us. Every once in a while, we just need to stop and say, God, remind me of the day that you saved me. Remind me what it was like before that. Remind me when I was convicted of the fact that I was going to go to hell. (laughs) That I was without a Savior. And that you are a holy God. And that because of your holiness and my sinfulness, it was not going to come out good for me. And that you chose to draw me to you. Guys, we need to do that. We need, we need to know Him. We need to, we need to be, come face to face with who He is. And we tend to forget, those of us who know Him. Now, we'll be reminded. That's so critical. <laughs> um, <clears throat> a story is told of an actor who 
the crowd went to see him, and you know, they wanted him to write, recite something because obviously, you know, he's so gifted at that. And among the crowd, there was a, a preacher there that many of the crowd knew. And so they looked at the preacher and they said to the actor, "Will you recite the twenty-third psalm?" He goes, "Yeah, sure." And so he recited the twenty-third psalm. You know, he did it with perfect pronunciation, and uh, he did it in such an eloquent manner. So everybody clapped when he was done. And then somebody in the crowd asked the old preacher. They said, uh, "Why don't you?" Recite the 23rd Psalm. He goes, oh, I, no, that's okay. He goes, no, really. He goes, well, okay. So he got up and he didn't say it nearly as eloquently. Matter of fact, he got nervous and stumbled a little bit in his words. But in his stooped over frame and eyes that were wet out of devotion to Jesus Christ, he spoke from his heart in such a way that when he was done, Everybody else was crying too. So they looked over to the actor and they said, well, what's the difference? And they said, well, I know the psalm. He knows the shepherd. You see, guys, that's, that's, that's what it's about. And George, a perfect song for this message. Do you know my son? Do you go my way? That's what we're talking about here. That God would get a hold of us, it would make the difference. Uh, notice in the text here, he says in verse 13, but now, I love this verse, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. He talks about what we were before Jesus, but now in Christ Jesus. Once far away, now brought near. Man, isn't that good? That's such a comfort to me. Once far away, now brought near. Man, may our faith never become antiseptic. Something that's just dull and drab. But may it be alive. I love the story of John Wesley. He said one day he was out and he got robbed. And this thief got really mad. He said, man, you don't have any money. He said, just a few small coins and... Uh, you know, a gospel tract. You know, so he grumbled walking away, this thief. And Wesley said, wait, I do have something else to give you. He said, what? He said, if you ever want to change your way of life, understand that Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. And He'll give you a new life and a new start. And the guy goes, eh. And he walks away. Years later, after Wesley finished speaking at, at a church, guy came up to him. He didn't recognize him because he was well-dressed and now he was a successful businessman. And he said, you don't remember me, but years ago I robbed you and you said to me something about Jesus cleansing us from sin. He said, and you changed my life. And he said, I didn't change your life. He said, Jesus did. Jesus cleansed you from sin. That's the kind of change. He wants, he wants us to, he wants our faith to be alive, guys. There's a world out there that needs to hear about Christ, that needs to know Christ, and they're going to know Christ when they see that we know Christ. When they see Jesus in us, Jesus leaking out of us, spreading through us, He makes a difference, and He touches lives, and, and it's just a, it's just a powerful, powerful, wonderful truth. Notice verse 14, it says, For he himself is our peace. We talk a lot about peace. 
But usually our peace is short-lived. Doesn't last long, does it? One comedian said, Our nation's capital has a large assortment of peace monuments. We build one after every war. That's how we are. There was a story told during World War II that as the Allied troops marched through France, there was a battle outside of one of the homes of a family. Bullets were flying. Three-year-old little girl got away from her mom and went outside. The bullets stopped. Got quiet. Then the mom ran out after a few minutes, grabbed her little girl, ran back inside, and the bullets started again. We know why the bullets stopped. Because of the presence of a little child. No one wanted to fire at a small child. And so for a moment there was brief peace. But when the child left, the bullets resumed. Isaiah 9, 6. For to us a child's born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You see, this child, the child that we trust in for eternal peace, he doesn't just stumble and then disappear. He's there forever. And he, he loves you. And He loves me. And He cries out and says, Just trust me. Place your confidence and your faith in me and you will not be disappointed you will find what you so desperately need. By way of the cross, He removes the hostility. Notice He Himself is our peace, who's made the two one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Guys, He has taken down that wall. He has destroyed that barrier through His work. It says, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. He's brought that peace so that we might have a right relationship with God. But you know what? He's also brought that peace so we might have a right relationship with each other, which forms the cross. The cross is evident when there's a right relationship with Him and a right relationship with each other, becomes the cross. That's Christianity. That's when the church gets out of its little box. That's when the church marches out of its little room. That's when the church impacts the world. When there's the cross. But we don't get it. Chuck Swindoll tells the story of a bus driver in Australia. Literally on one side of his bus, he had passengers that were white. And on the other side of the bus, he had passengers that were black. And they bickered the whole time on the bus every day. Constantly, there was prejudice, racial slurs flying back and forth. And finally, the guy couldn't stand it anymore. So he said to him, okay, that's it. He looked over at the guys on the side that were black and he said, what color are you? And they said, "Uh, we're black. Not on my bus. On my bus, you're green. So he looked at him again. He said, what color are you? He said, they said, we're green. It's okay. Then he looked on the other side of the bus, and he says, what color are you? And they said, we're white. He goes, not on my bus. On my bus, you're green. So he looked at him again. He said, what color are you? 
He said, we're green. He said, okay, everybody on this bus is green. Don't forget it. Well, it was quiet for quite a ways. Till finally one guy spoke up and said, okay, you guys on that side of the bus are dark green and on this side we're light green. (laughs) Isn't that the way we are? We want to separate. We want to create barriers. But that's not our God. Our God doesn't want to push us apart. He wants to bring us together. That's His message. He Himself is our peace. And His goal is to bring us to Him and to one another through Jesus Christ, His Lord, our Lord, through His marvelous, marvelous work, guys. It's not just the Jews and the Gentiles that need to be brought together. It's many others who need to be brought together. But we're all brought together and it's through Jesus. As friendship with God becomes a possibility and friendship with one another becomes a possibility as God wants to work. See, at one time we were all enemies of God. But if we're fortunate enough to know His grace because He spoke to us, He brought us to Himself and showed us He's the peace. Find the peace. Know the peace. Spread the peace. That's what He wants to do. He may want to do that this morning. Maybe there's somebody here who's never really trusted His peace, the peace Jesus brings. He can. what it's about. We'll have a time and a moment in this message to pray, to receive that peace. Come to the altar and to pray and do business with God. We're right where you are. To let God speak. Because He's the peace. Let me close with this story. Uh, another World War II story. Some Allied soldiers in a battle with one of their buddies was killed. And they wanted to bury him. And uh, so they found a small Catholic church in the village. They went to the church and uh, they said, uh, can we bury our, our buddy in the cemetery? We want to give him a proper burial. And the priest said, well, is he Catholic? They said, no, he's a Protestant. And they said, well, this cemetery is only for Catholic members. So I'm sorry, but you can't bury him here. And so they said, okay. And so there was a fence around the cemetery, and so they buried him just outside of the fence. They marked his grave. Well, after the war was over, they they came back and they wanted to uh, find their friend. And they couldn't find him. They They looked... There was just no sign of the grave. And so finally, I couldn't stand it. And so they went to the priest. He was still there. And they asked him, they said, uh, Do you remember us, our our buddy? uh, We we brought him to you and asked if he could be buried. And he goes, Oh, yeah, I remember you guys. He said, Well, we can't find his grave. What happened? He said, Well, he said, After you left, I tried to go to sleep. And I couldn't go to sleep. I couldn't sleep. And he said, so the first half of the night, I laid in bed awake, thinking, what have I done? And the second half of the night, I moved the fence. That's what Jesus has done. Jesus moved the fence. And what he's saying today is come in the fence. He says, I am the gate. Whoever comes in through me... (laughs) We'll find peace. We'll find life. And so that's the 
Guys, that's the invitation. That's the play to find life with Him and with each other. He doesn't want barriers. He wants to bring us together. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, thank You for a time to look at Your Word. Father, I pray that You have spoken to us. Um, the Holy Spirit is what we need, Lord. is You at work. And I pray the Holy Spirit might bring us to the altar or speak to us where we are or bring us to pray or to act or whatever You want is what we want, Lord. So I just pray for You to work with Your power, Lord, and that we might not be the same when we walk out of here, but that we'll be closer to Jesus. If for the first time somebody's heard Your call, may, may that person just stop and say, Lord, I am a sinner. Forgive me. Enter my heart. Thank You for Jesus. May Jesus forgive me and save me. Live in me, Jesus. And You promised to do that, Lord Jesus, and to start a new life. I pray, Father, anyone who's prayed that that would be the case, Lord, that You'd make them a new person. Father, we just trust You to be at work here. You don't show up. Why do we show up? So, Father, please show up, God. And as we do leave this place, You're certainly not confined to this building. So, Lord, You want us to be Your servants wherever we go. Help us to really be the church, God really love each other regardless of how different we look and at times how, how different we appear if Jesus is our father then we're brothers and sisters Lord we pray that Lord uh, God just work in this time in your name we pray Amen